broadcasting from an undisclosed location, from a secret hunting spot known only to him, and the guy who told him about it, and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics. Have you ever had one of those days? For me, today's been that day. It really has. Everything's happened a little bit late. Something's gone a little bit wrong. Something quite hasn't happened when it should have. And I'm still positive. Things are good. And in fact, even though this is the second week in a row I've had a bear in front of me when I've been recording the show... Oh, not condoning drinking, drink responsibly, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I think it's time. Fantastic. Kind of makes everything just that little bit better. After last week and me having a little bit of a rant on the way out to my hunt, well, not really a rant, but I talked to you about the emails and the tones of the emails I've been getting. You guys improved. You stepped it up again. And I got this really nice email from Magnus. And he says here, he's a 20-year-old guy just getting into hunting and he's really enjoyed the show. And he's listened to almost every episode. However, (laughs) however, he just wanted to offer his opinion and hear what I thought. One thing that nags me a little bit is the recent huge focus on specific details or very specific details you go into with calibers and ballistics and cartridges. It's getting to a point where I'm starting to think what happened to the hunting. Do you know what, Magnus? I I agree. The show is about the hunting, and I've spent just probably the last three episodes geeking out a little bit, and I'm hoping this one's going to be a bit more refreshing. On another thing, he's interested in my personal view on trophy hunting. And why you condone it. Personally, I don't think they'll ever be. Uh, he will ever be a trophy hunter. It seems to be a disrespect. Or it seems to be disrespectful for the animal, and a bit of an ego thing, which I have noticed is quite common in hunting, and as opposed to my other sport, spearfishing, where it's not common at all. And Magnus, you make a really, really good point. I, I think I look at it in a couple of ways. Um, I don't have a firm opinion, and if you'd like to go out there and meat hunt, that's great. There is something about trophy hunting, and I think, for me, it's about developing our sport. Those trophies are few and far between, particularly on public land. And I personally have an opinion about trophy hunting and target identification. But to be fair, um, I'm not into, and I've said this before, I'm not into that in brackets, hunter porn. You know, I don't, you won't see a whole lot of photos of me, although there's the occasional one holding the big stag or me posting them. And I've got plenty of photos of me with animals and sometimes it's nice to keep that so you can talk about them. But I think that hunters share a responsibility to portray our sport in the best light possible. I also have a bit of an opinion about eating what you hunt. And I find nothing more horrifying than finding an animal that's been taken for its antlers or its head and the rest of it left behind untouched. It's disappointing. And I think for me, hunting is very much about seeing it through to the end and making sure that what you get turns into meat on the table and even down to duck shooting when we were shooting paradise ducks. And I'm not a great fan of eating paradise ducks straight out of the old um, the old breasts there. I got them made into something that I that I prefer. You know, I got them made into salami and paradise duck salami is great. So I think 
for me, yes, it's about the food. And I think that although I don't do a whole lot of trophy hunting myself, I completely appreciate where trophy hunters come from. And my opinion seems to change as my understanding of people in the hunting fraternity changes. Yeah, I hope that makes sense to you, Magnus. For me, the hunting fraternity is is one of that's very fragmented, but it's full of some very intelligent, interesting people that seem to share things with me that make me change my opinion all the time. So, Magnus, please, I'm not someone fixed on an opinion. I'm willing to be changed or to hear a rational uh, argument that changes my opinion on all of these things. And I loved your email, Magnus. Thank you very, very much. And thank you to everyone else that emails me as well. So, oh, actually, before I go any further and we, we hook into our interview, I also got a great email from Germany. And this particular email was from Fabian, and he says, Hey, mate, love the show. Just want to give you a bit of feedback on last week's headshots. As Pete points out, you have to um, be deliberate when taking headshots. And I found this really interesting article in a German hunting magazine the other day with an interview with a butcher specializing in selling meat that hunters bring in. He refuses to buy any meat of hunters that has been killed by an animal with a headshot or neck shot, not only because of the risk of shooting the jaw off, but more importantly because of the blood loss is or the blood loss is not as quick as it is with um, not as quick with headshots, but still deadly. As he says, quick blood loss is really important for meat quality because the blood doesn't come off quickly, it stays in the muscle and turns bad. It actually goes on quite a lot more. And I'd like your feedback about that, quick blood loss. I get it. I get what the idea is behind that. Um, But that was a really interesting email from Germany. Has anyone out there experienced anything like that? Do you understand that? Um, I went on to think, uh, very much thank him very much for his feedback and asked him to give me some feedback on iTunes, something we really lack on the show. And most podcasts seem to is that great show, five stars, <laughs> well, whatever amount of stars you want to give the show on uh, iTunes. It's really great to get that. And it will help me along or help the show along with regards to people being able to search for it and find it on iTunes, particularly. If you don't listen on iTunes, please rate us on whatever app or website you use, whether it's Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, TuneCast, uh, iHeartRadio, go on there, give us a, a rating or some feedback because it ultimately helps me and it helps the show and hopefully helps keep us going for a little bit longer. So without me gas bagging a whole lot more, I'm going to kick into this week's interview and the title of the show says it all, but we have Paul Michaels, founder of Real Dog Training. How are you, Paul? Good, Stephen. How are you? Oh, kicking along, having a beer. Um, Kicking along. Yeah, can't complain. First of all, Paul, we're going to talk about dog training because that's the subject of the show. But can you tell us a little bit about your background, first of all? Yeah, sure. So, um, so I sort of started hunting pretty young, or really young actually, um, and done a lot of hunting as a kid. Um, sort of born into hunting and and being around hunting dogs. Um, I grew up in the in the Waikato on a farm there backed onto the Kaimais there and um, yeah, it was pretty much all I'd done and then um, oh, but later on um, after leaving school and that got into to working in the bush as well possum trapping and, and other bits and pieces and um, yeah, kind of kind of just hunted and, and worked with dogs all my life mm-hmm. um, and 
uh, for the last sort of 10 years, I've been working full-time in the bush. Yep. Um, doing a lot of possum trapping and things, and, and more recently, um, been doing contract pest control, uh, goat control, yep. with, for the Department of Conservation, um, which is basically full-time hunting over indicating dogs. Yep. Yeah. Hey, uh, just very quickly, that's something that I really enjoy. I, I love uh, shooting goats. I don't know, <laughs> I, and we use the meat and I do all that stuff. Um, but I imagine doing it day in and day out. It's uh, is there that many of them around? Yeah, there is. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, there's still plenty of goats around. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of our jobs, you know, these these uh, the hunting's quite challenging. Yeah. We're working in blocks where we're working towards eradication. So um, numbers alone, we're just trying to get the last couple and right through to other blocks, um, station jobs and things that that we're shooting big mobs as well. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's no shortage of the goat around. <laughs> no, no. And in fact, where you do see them, you seem to see hundreds, don't you? Yep, yep. Yep, um, yep quite often the, the hundreds are uh, um, just over the fence from where we're working. But, um, uh, yeah. It's a yeah, big job for you. Now, first of all, something I, this is something I'm not familiar with. I don't hunt with dogs. I don't own dogs. And I don't necessarily think I have a lifestyle that means it would be fair for me to own a dog currently. But I'd, yep. I'd really like to understand how an indicating dog particularly, and that's mainly what you're dealing with, aren't you? Deer, deer hunting, indicating dogs. How that yep. enhances yep. your hunting experience. Okay, yeah. That's a good question. And, and yeah, there's a lot to the answer mm. to that. Um, I mean, the first and most obvious um, is... That a good indicating dog helps you shoot more deer. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, they're really, a good dog's really our most powerful tool um, to shoot deer after the centre fire rifle. Okay. Um, yeah. So. But taking that one step further, they, obviously the dog helps you, they help you shoot more deer, but how do they do that? Well, just by, um, so we're talking about mainly bush stalking here. Mm hmm. Um, you know, dogs can help you out in the open country, but, but mainly bush stalking. So, um, winding and tracking, that's your two main, main ways a dog hunts, um, hunting off a wind scent and tracking on the ground. So, basically, you know, a, a good dog will take you to deer that you walk, you walk right past, and they can take you a really long way to a deer too. Mm. Um, a dog can take you in... or let's say average two or three hundred metres on a good wind, um, in exceptional conditions, the dog can take you in up to seven or eight hundred metres on a good wind. Um, and a good dog can track for kilometres. So if, if, if you look at, um, say you're, walk, you're sidling a face in the, in the bush, um, choose a, a nice face, big face, and um, one that you basically know a deer's on, um, you know, there'd be an animal there somewhere, um, get the wind coming up a face and sidle above it with a good dog and a, a good dog will take you down on any deer on that face. Um, so, yeah, if, if you really wrap your head around the way it all works, mm. um, you start to get an idea on how, how effective they are. Yeah. Now, obviously, that's not the only way. I mean, one thing I noticed, i you may have heard a few shows ago, I had an interview that was meant to be with me, but I seemed to turn it around and had an interview with them, or interviewed them, uh, with the sport dog guys from the United States. And one thing I noticed was that their dogs are their mates. 
You know, these are the that's that's your that's your mate when you're in in the hills. Um, oh is, yeah. Is that another way it enhances? It's, it's kind of like it's your hunting companion, isn't it? Oh, hugely. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, um, for me and a lot of guys I know and work with that, that hunt over over dogs a lot. Um, you know, hunting. You get to the point where going deer stalking without your dog seems quite, you know, fairly boring actually. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, the companion side of it is huge, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And that's not something I necessarily relate to because I don't own dogs, but I, I know obviously know plenty of people that own dogs, and it seems to be that that companionship and that trust as well. Is is that has that got something to do with it? Oh, it's hugely trust in your dog. Um, you know, as far as hunting goes and training. Um, Trust in your dog is is almost basically is the golden rule to to hunting over a good dog. You know, once once you've got all all your um, your good training methodology um, laid down and, and everything's all your commands in place and everything's running well, um, then all you need to do is go hunting, use those commands and trust your dog, mm. and um, you know. You, Talking about trust, like um, sometimes you might track an animal um, behind your dog in certain conditions that you can't even see marks in. You might follow your dog for three hours without even having a good, um, seeing a good mark. You're just completely trusting your dog. Mm. Yeah. See, I I personally think I'd struggle with that initially, but then it's it's kind of like trusting your equipment too, isn't it? It's kind of it is, thing. and that mm. yeah, yeah, and that kind of trust in your dog does take. You know, you, you can tell someone, um, or and you even t- you know, I tell myself at times I should trust my dog and follow it. And um, every now and again, I you know the mm. I, you know still learn lessons the hard way, and think I should have just listened to her, you know. Mm. And um, and generally when I do and just keep following and following, it all turns out, it all turns out well. Mm. Yeah. Now, there's a few other ways that we've talked about off here that that enhance that experience when you are hunting with dogs. Can you tell us another yeah. one? Yeah. So, talking about um, the way it enhances um, your hunting, this is more um, the way it changes your hunting. And to a lot of people, this this will mean um, you know that it's enhancing their hunting. Um, sort of the way I'd explain it is that hunting over an indicating dog versus hunting without one. It, it, it makes your hunting a lot more relaxed and exciting. And what I mean by that is um, when you're like good bush stalking without a dog um, is quite intense. You know that yourself if you've, if mm. you've done a bit of um, stalking. It's quite intense and, you know, you're, you're um, really focused using your eyes and ears. And uh, when usually when you do see an animal, it happens quite quickly. Um, you'll be stalking along and you'll shoot it. So you go from that intense stalk mm. to the hunt over quite quickly. Very much. You know? yeah. um, and But with a dog, it just completely changes the whole thing. So if you're hunting a, a, a dog the way you should be with the wind set up well and everything, you should have a good advanced warning um, you know, before you run into any animals. And so you can relax a lot mm. and kind of just enjoy the walk and work in your dog. And it, it's just, I just want it to... It's a lot more of a relaxed hunt, and then um, because the dog can give you such an advanced warning, quite often you know 
um, that an animal's there long before you get the shot on it. Right. And so you know an animal's there, and you know you're moving in on it. And once you you can read a good dog, you know how close you are, and you know as you're getting closer. And you, you know you can basically know. I can look at my dog and think that's within a hundred meters. Um, move, you know, sneak in fifty meters, and, think, and then look at the dog. Yep, it's definitely within the next fifty meters, kind of thing, and keep going. Um, and that's really exciting because <laughs> mm. you know you know there's an animal there and you're sneaking in on. And sometimes these these um, indicated stalks can go for over an hour. Yeah. So, so that's what I mean by uh, more relaxed and more exciting. Yeah. Can I ask a, this? This question wasn't really in my my notes here, but if if it is that longer, more drawn out kind of feeling. So let's look at the hunt I did uh, last week. Actually, you would have heard last week's show, and I'd just come back from a hunt and and all that kind of things. We'd been on a stag for quite a while and I was stalking that obviously no dogs involved and the, the the deer I shot I actually looked back out of the corner of my eye to make sure Pete was where I thought I, he was and I'm very careful about making sure people are where I think they are because that's that stops people getting shot yep. um, I saw sure. Pete and as I scanned back around the animal was standing maybe 10 metres in front of me in the bush looking at me with that oh shit look in his eye <laughs> Because <laughs> um, he saw me, I saw. Him. I lifted my firearm from my firearm up, and that was it. That's that's how it ended. Um, yeah. Wow, what a feeling! You know how intense was that? Do you still get that buzz? Um, very much so. And actually, um, yeah. So, so you're saying the intensity of of looking up, and all of a sudden there's an animal there, kind of thing. Well, that that one was particularly intense because I was only checking if someone was where I thought they were, and there's just out to the side, I would have missed this particular animal if I hadn't checked because I'd seen antlers out ahead. So I was looking in a different direction, yep. to be honest, um, yep. and, and very focused. But the intensity of that was it was almost like a bungee jump. <laughs> you know, it was Yeah, fast, I know what you're saying. You yeah, know? yeah, and like talking about intensity. Um, so, I mean, you still do get those surprises. You might be um, walking along into a bit of a side wind, um, say, left to right, um, or quartering on left to right, mm-hmm. and um, you could, you know, your your dog's a bit lower than you, so they're down on the ground, and so you can often see over the brow feet of them. And quite often, you know, you still need to have your wits about you and, and um, be aware, because the wind has to be right for you to know the animal's there. So quite often, you sort of come over the brow of the hill, and there is an animal there that mm-hmm. the dog hasn't seen or smelt. Um, but on intensity. Uh, Kind of the I've, I've spoken about this moment, um, and it, it's sort of similar to the one you just mentioned. Um, I've spoken about it with other experienced uh, indicating dog, so handlers and, and guys have done a lot of hunting over good dogs. Uh, the moment when so your dog's taken you in, and uh, usually the dog locks up in the bush, and it's telling you there's an animal right in front of you. You should be ready to shoot it now, um, but you still can't see anything. So now you're in a position where you know there's an animal right there. It's probably within 20-odd metres, <laughs> yeah. and you can't see it. And that moment when the dog locks up and you're standing there looking for the animal, that is really intense, mm, and that's kind of the moment. Stuff, it is, yeah. Mm. That's the moment you kind of look for over a, over hunting over a good dog. Gee, yeah, yeah. actually, uh, you've actually just you've done that thing where you've gone, you, you've, you've turned this around, because I can imagine that. You know there's something there, and you can't see it. You know, you haven't. You haven't been able to get it uh, in your sight. Um, yeah. 
and and that's trusting your dog, trusting that that dog's seeing or or smelling something that's there or knows that it's there, and and you're kind of the weakest link at that point, I suppose, aren't you? <laughs> you are in a way, yeah. Yep. And yeah, and, that, and uh, you'll learn some hard lessons through that too. If your dog locks up, and uh, you know you kind of look around and think there's nothing there, and, and take another couple of steps, <laughs> and that's when the deer explodes, yep. you know. So so. After that happens a few times and you know when your dog lock and you start to trust your dog and learn to read your dog, um, yeah, that, that, you know, when, then you know that there's something there and then mm. it, it's pretty intense, all right? Yeah. So, okay, what's your next point? Is that there are lots of ways that dogs enhance the hunting yeah, experience. But... There are lots of ways. So um, the other thing is, well, another thing is, um, you know, hunting with a dog just adds a whole new dimension to your hunting. So... You know, people do a similar similar thing, like they bring in um, bow hunting, you know, like mm. a, a really experienced hunter has done a lot of hunting and going out and shooting a hind or, you know, just a your normal meat animal or, or a deer um, isn't a huge challenge and it isn't, um, you know, hugely rewarding anymore and they start trying to bring in new aspects to yeah. to keep the interest up. Well, um, bow hunting, yeah, yeah um, long-range hunting and stuff like that. So a dog... Bringing in a dog really does that. It adds new interest, um, and you know, you know, choose, selecting a good dog and training it properly, and going out and shooting deer over it is, you know, it's a ex- really, really rewarding process. Um, it's 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 quite hard to explain how re- rewarding that is, you know. Um, the only thing that I think could be that would, would maybe people with kids taking their kids out and shooting, yep. shooting their first deer, you know, mm. and that. Um, or, or even, you know, taking um, experience hunters that take people out and help them shoot their first deer, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, training training a dog, yeah, and taking it out, it's, it's just awesome, eh? Okay, before we, yeah. before we go into what makes a good dog, I'd like to just ask you so for example my situation is i work very long hours uh hunting is yep. something that i do a lot but i really i'm not in a great position to probably own a dog and or i don't feel like i'm in a good position to own a dog and give it the amount of work that it requires to be a decent hunting animal and i'm not talking about a house dog I'm, I, we could probably manage that but uh but a dog that i actually want to take out and and, and gets enough work you know, where's that line? Because I see a lot of bad dog owners out there. Yeah, see, um, so you're saying where's the, how much time do you need to put into training? Not only that, but also when's... So the training's part of it, but also I don't believe I would have enough time to dedicate to a dog with my current life situation, that's all. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and, I mean, and that's a, that's a really good point. And, um, you know, you... Uh, Owning a dog is a big commitment, mm. and and you do need the time to be able to put into it. Um, yeah, every day. Yeah. And and but every dog needs um, are very different too, you know. So um, especially in terms of exercise and that. Mm. Um, as far as training goes, um, it doesn't take any more work to to own and train a good dog. Than it does to own and, and train a, a terrible dog. <laughs> a um, it's just a matter point. of, yeah. it, it, and it's true. Um, and in fact, um, 
after putting in a small a, a small amount of work for or you know, a reasonable amount of work for a, a couple of months, um, it actually gets a lot easier. Mm, um, so yeah, you you really just need to know what to do, you know. Um, and it's not rocket science either. It's actually really simple stuff. Um, but yeah, if you don't know it, you can't do it. And and it, you know, dog training um, is really interesting in that the gap between where most people are and where they need to be to own and train good dogs is quite vast. Right. Um, you know, when you look at people's general knowledge on guns and cars and different things, um, it is surprising. Uh, yeah, how people don't. Most people don't know how to how to train a good dog. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't. I wouldn't have a clue, and that's why I think I'm, I'm almost at a point where I'm, I'm put off it because of that. And uh, what I was hoping yep. to get out of this interview was that that bridge from not owning a dog to and you, you have you've inspired me to want to go hunting with a dog. Um, but yeah, that, that next step seems to to be this the the bit that I'm scared of. Yeah, and um, so isn't there, there's not a lot out there. It hasn't been a lot out there. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm uh, writing a series of, of articles in NZ Hunter at the moment. And, um, I've been writing for NZ Hunter for quite a, NZ Hunter magazine for quite a while, for about four years now. Great magazine um, too. It is a great magazine, yep. Um, yeah, um, it's, re- it's really cool to be um, in there w- with all the other great writers. Um, but, yeah, and for some, you know, I've, I've written dog series in the past, but, and I've written about all sorts of things, um, bush stalking and hunting rooster and um, all sorts. But for some reason, this dog training thing is, is what uh, pulls in the most interest. And, and um, you know, so so uh, people are definitely interested in it. You know, people mm-hmm. are interested. People want to know how to train a good dog. And there's, uh, particularly on indicating dogs, yeah. um, the way we use them in New Zealand there's basically nothing out there. Really? Um, next, next to nothing. Mm. Um, there's been a few magazine articles um, other than mine, uh, but as far as a book on it or um, anything like that, you know, there's lots of great books on bird dog training and retriever mm. training and that, um, but there's nothing really, there's nothing comprehensive out there on, on indicating dog training. Um and, and that's kind of what I've started off offering uh, training in there, and it's, it's having a, a good response, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something I wanted to add is is the, the times I have hunted with dogs around, and I've I've been fortunate enough to be able to go out with people that have some very good dogs. They love the work, yep. don't they? They love it. They love it. They love it. You know. Oh. Uh, it's the yep. as soon as they see that firearm come out, or that there's that thing that they realise it's time to go hunting with dad. <laughs> is the best way I can describe yep. it. Um, that they're in. That you know, they do love this stuff. Absolutely love it. Live for it. Mm. Um, yep. Uh, yeah. The the drive um, and work ethic of a good dog is really is um, you know. Incredible to see, incredible to watch. Yeah. So, what makes a good dog? Are we talking breeds? Uh, I don't know. How do I go? If I so say, you said to, I left this interview today and I was inspired to go out and and actually go through this process. What am I doing? Yep. Um, well, I could help you, but um, <laughs> I'm sure you would. <laughs> um, go to realdogtraining.org. But no. Um, a, a good dog, um, 
Like, it's a huge question. Um, as far as breeds go, um, for indicating dogs, uh, big game indicating dogs, I really like the New Zealand heading dog. Um, strong-eyed New Zealand heading dogs are a great, great breed for it. Okay, so uh, I'm, not a, but... I'm not a doggy person. Can you tell me about that, that breed? Okay, so New Zealand heading dogs uh, are a New Zealand breed. Um, they were bred from uh, sheep dogs brought over by the early settlers, okay. and and they they mainly from border collies, and they kind of tweaked it, tweaked the breed a little bit um, to suit New Zealand conditions and the way we we wanted to use them here. Um, but the thing is with with heading dogs, you know, they um, they've been really well bred for to work and to listen um, and to work for you. The, the only thing they've they've really been um, the only requirement for the selection for inbreeding has been the, the level of usefulness, you know, and um, and how well they listen. And um, because they're bred for for working sheep, they have a real natural uh, drive towards undulates, so anything with a hoof. So they hunt um, deer really well. And if you choose a strong-eyed heading dog, um, uh, so the, a strong white heading dog isn't supposed to bark at the sheep, or uh, so they are bred to work sheep. Mm. They're a sheep herding dog, um, and a, the way a strong white heading dog is supposed to work sheep is silently, and they're very light-footed, and they stalk and point um, very much in, in the same way that a, a German shorty pointer or a Vizsla would, or one of your specific stalking pointing um, breeds of hunting dog. Right. Um, yeah, and, and they've just got really sound temperaments. Um, yeah, and, so, but, but you know, I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, you know, just talk about heading dogs either. You know, um, there's some some of the best work, indicating work I've seen has been um, Vizslas and, and German Shorty Pointers and Wyhees and, and other breeds. Another way to go if um, you know you, you want more of a versatile to do your deer and your birds, your game birds and everything. Mm. So, and and that that was actually you've you've segued really nicely into my next question. If I want a dog that kind of does it all, you know, and I, I do a bit of duck shooting, I don't yep. do a lot of pig hunting, but it's there, and I, I think that pig hunting dogs maybe sit out on their own. But you'll be able to tell me in a moment. And I certainly do a lot of deer hunting. Yep. What can I get something that kind of does a little bit of everything? Yeah, you can, um, and that's that's your versatile breed. So, sorry, did you throw pig hunting in there as well? No, not no, but I, I just put it in there as a, you know we have a lot of pig hunters that listen to the show as an option. Yeah, mm. so um, I mean a, a, a top pig pig hunting breed is gen like people you can use purebred heading dogs for pigs. Um, they, they can make good smart balers, but a top pig hunting breed tends to be something on its own, out on its own. Yeah. Um, but if we, we want to talk, if we're talking about um, big game indicating, and you know, you can train a, a dog to indicate deer, pigs, goats, all that stuff, um, and then throw your birds on top, um, you're really looking at uh, your Vizslas, your German shorty pointers, German whitehead pointers, um, and let's not leave out the Labrador. Um, but not so many people um, kind of think of using a Labrador for deer because, uh, you know, they're not generally not considered a stalking dog. But um, I used a lab for years and 
and a good lab, well trained. Um, yeah, they can be excellent all round dogs. Yeah, and actually, Labrador to me appeals because it's a good. Uh, again, I'm not a dog person, so I might have this all wrong. But Labrador is a good house pet. It's it's a good working dog. Um, they're approachable. Yep. yep. Uh, they kind of they tick a lot of boxes for me potentially. Ah, uh, they're big. They eat a lot. <laughs> eat anything. Yeah, but... yeah, well, they want to eat a lot. You, shouldn't, <laughs> uh, um, you probably shouldn't eat them quite as much as they want to eat. Um, but uh, oh, sorry, feed them as much as they want to eat. But um, yeah, Labradors are a nice breed. They've got good sound temperament. Um, mm. Yeah, um, you know, you've got your, your Vizzlers and GSPs in, in that. Um, can be a little bit more challenging, high energy type dogs. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a huge subject. They talking about breeding <laughs> and, um, uh, and different breeds of dogs, and and people will quite, get quite passionate about it. Mm. Um, can be quite controversial. Um, but yeah. So, so but is, the, but on, isn't, on isn't that controversial side of it? Sorry, isn't that, that when we are starting to get controversial and, and into a debate? Isn't that what really enriches our sport and our craft? You know, uh, when guys are there and they've got opinions and they've done this and they've tried this and this has worked, and th- that's the stuff that really does make our sport go from a, a weekend hobby to something that it's part of our life. You know, that it really enriches it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yep, um, and, and you know, uh, the debate's good, but you know, like talking about what really works and that, um, yeah, like for an indicating dog, the heading dog is very hard to go past, and, and even talking with guys that, that um, are a big fan of some of the versatile breeds, um, yeah, will still admit that the heading dogs are a great option. Um, but having said that, and, and this is a, probably an important point to to bring up on this this breed selection, um, is that the best dog of any breed is never better than the best dog of another breed, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, the 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 best heading dog isn't really any better than the best Vizsla. Right. It's more about the individual dog. And how do you yeah. spot that early on? Um, first of all, uh, parents and, and grandparents and great-grandparents um, and breeding going way back. And, um, yeah, I don't want to keep going about heading dogs, but that's another good... That's why I um, turn to heading dogs because um, they've got very a very good working breeding base Whereas um, a lot of versatile um, hunting dogs, uh, there's a lot of show breeding in there. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so, so you go right back into the breeding. Um, and, and what are they specifically bred for, you know? Like um, on the heading dog side of it, you've got strong-eyed, medium-eyed, and plain-eyed Um what are the parents like? Are they are they hard running dogs? Um, are they do they are they more sort of a weak pull? There's all sorts of terms that you can start bringing in yeah. um, surrounding the the heading dogs and that. Um, and it's the same with, with the versatile too. Like look at the parents. What are the parents really highly strung? Right. Um, but then again, it's 
you know, it's again, it's it's a huge subject, and uh, it's not just the parents; it's the grandparents and the great grandparents and the great great grandparents, um, and the whole family tree, you know. And and pups can throw back to things um, right back um, in their in their breeding, you know, multi generational throwbacks, and um, and that's why it's so important to get it right for a long time. I tell you what, actually. Um, Talking about uh, breeds, there's a, a breed in, in New Zealand um, of German Whitehead Pointer that, that's quite interesting. Um, they have, they've been available in New Zealand for a few years. Um, well, I, I, I'm, I don't want to try pronouncing the name, but it's, if you look up, um, it's, so they're a German Whitehead Pointer, but it's um, it's Deutsch Drassar or something like that. Um, mm. I just call them DDs. And um, a guy, Martin Reed. If you if, if you Google um, Martin Reed and gun dogs and Whitehead pointers, you'll find it. Yeah. Um, and and that's so that's basically just a line of German Whitehead pointers that's been purposely bred for hunting for well over a hundred years. And um, all um, each dog that's bred from is really stringently tested. Um, hunting wise and um, temperament and everything. And uh, yeah, that, that's that's sort of what you need to look for. And, and yeah, so so you got you do have options like that, and there are other good gun dog kennels um, in New Zealand that breed hunting dogs. Yeah, okay. on your versatile side of things. Yep. So uh, Paul, if if we want to, I want to hear a good hunting story from you, and I'd really like it. Hopefully, you've you've prepared a uh, a hunting story that involves a dog. And I'm sure that's what it yeah, is. I, yeah, I do have a, a story for you. Um, probably one of my favourite hunting stories um, be from my favourite place involving my favourite dog and my favourite deer. Um, <laughs> I was in the in the Uawiras and uh, I'd been hunting Rusa. I, I actually lived in the Uawiras for, um, oh, if you add it all up, about two or three years. I kind of lost track towards the end there. I'm um, doing possums. <laughs> Yep. And um, hunted the rooster stags the whole time I was in there, and um, had this one stag in particular that uh, kind of hunted them one winter and never caught up with them, and then I went back there again. And at the, at this time, this day, um, that afternoon, I'd been flat out hunting them for the last week, and uh, woke up and it was pouring down with rain, and um, decided to have a day in camp, and. Uh, it was about two o'clock, and I'd been kind of drinking tea and reading magazines. <laughs> yeah. Um, when my Labrador Tessa, which which she was a really really good dog, and um, she stood up and walked over to the to the uh, gap in the tarp and had a bit of the wind and looked back at me and back at me and wagged her tail. And that she used to look back at me when she'd win the win the deer. She'd look back and um, bit of a wag of the tail. And I knew, you know, that was basically her telling me the deer there. And I sort of said to her, "No, you, you know, there's no deer there. What are you, what are you on about?" <laughs> and she looked back out again, had another sniff, and looked back and wagged the tail again, and kind of had a little bit of a whine. And and when she, if you didn't listen to her, and you definitely was sitting there, she'd whine. I thought, "Oh, I'll put my boots on." Um, picked up my rifle and, and followed her out of camp. And 
just across the creek, there was a big rooster stag mark, and I, I knew that mark, and it was the, the stag, the mark of the stag that I, I'd been hunting for the last week and for the last, you know, couple of winters, and um, followed up the creek, tracked it for about 200 metres, um, locked up, stepped down the clearing, and my big stag jumped up in front of me, and, and went flying across the clearing, and I snapshot him, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he's hanging on the wall right now. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he's in, in the record books. He had 160 Douglas score rooster stag. Gee, well done. So, Paul, if people want to find out more or they want to, they want to talk to you more, and I suppose this is the thing that I find really hard about what you do, because this is kind of a, first of all, it's your profession, and no one asks an electrician how to wire their house, but there's a there's that line there. But, but people want to know more or they want to get you involved with their process. How do they... How do they go about that? Okay, so yeah, so I'm basically offering a, a service of um, helping people train their deer dog, uh, real dog training. Yeah. Um, website is realdogtraining.org. Yep. Um, and I've there will a, be a link to that in the comment section or the information section of your podcast, depending on what app you listen to us in. Most of you will know how to find that. But on iTunes, click the icon and it flips around and there's that link. So, yep, so we'll yep. make sure that's there, Paul. Cool. And um, yeah, all my contact details are on there, and you can definitely help you out training, training up a good good deer dog and or, or a good versatile, too. We have experience with with um, training all around, around dogs, so you help you out with your bird training as well. Okay, Paul. And look, how about you don't live very far from me because I'm, I'm in the central North Island or in Taupo. Uh, if you're yep. heading down this way, why don't you and I go out and record a bit of audio actually with some of your dogs, because I don't have any, out in the field and uh, and go for a hunt because that's always a good experience. Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely have to do that. Hmm. Oh, keen as mustard. Thank you very much and, and all the best, Paul, and thank you so much. Uh, I, can't, I can't say thank you enough for coming on the show and, um, and giving people an all-round view of, of hunting with dogs. So you, you've, been, you've been a great interview. No worries. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for the opportunity. That's us for another week of The Hunting Show. Remember, there's some great things you can win uh, with us by liking us on Facebook, and a bunch of you still haven't. I don't understand it. We can. Maybe you don't have Facebook. Maybe hunters don't have Facebook. But we are on Twitter as well, and although Twitter is not quite as active as our Facebook page, we are getting there. And thank you to NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine. You could win a 12-month subscription. All you have to do is be active. Rather than me gas bag on, be careful out there, guys. I want to hear good reports. I want to hear good emails. And I don't want to hear about anyone getting hurt. Be careful and good hunting. Broadcasting from an undisclosed location, from a secret hunting spot known only to him, and the guy who told him about it, and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics.